أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page wherein we take a page of the Quran and we make its tafsir Inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 15 of the first juz surah al-Baqarah and Allah Azza wa Jal, as we've mentioned in the previous episodes, has been speaking about the reality of Bani Israel, the many blessings that He bestowed upon that nation, the many prophets and messengers that were sent to them, and the revelation and guidance that they received. And the way that then they rejected that revelation and guidance, so they chose and claimed that they only followed what they received and rejected anything that came after that. Even though Allah Azza wa Jal says that that assertion of theirs is false, because they disobeyed Allah Azza wa Jal and committed shirk in the time of Musa والسلام, they would kill certain prophets from amongst them and reject others, and that is something which continued. They continue to do so, disobeying the commands of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So Allah Azza wa Jal at the beginning of page number fifteen in verse number ninety-four, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gives to them a challenge. Allah Azza wa Jal says, "A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim." قُلْ إِنْ كَانَتْ لَكُمُ الدَّارُ الْآخِرَةُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَالِصَةً مِنْ دُونِ النَّاسِ فَتَمَنَّوُ الْمَوْتِ فَتَمَنَّوُ الْمَوْتَ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Say, if the last home with Allah Azza wa Jal, meaning the next life, the life of the hereafter, is to be for you alone and no one else, then you should long for death if your claim is true. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to them this challenge. It is almost a challenge as if it is a challenge that they will be given to see the truthfulness of their claim. Their claim of that they made, that their assertion is that they are upon the truth, that they are the chosen ones of Allah Azza wa Jal, that they will not be punished in the fire except for a very short period of time, that for them is eternal bliss and reward, that they alone and no one else will receive that reward. Allah Azza wa Jal says that, say, if the next life, the life of the hereafter, is truly for you alone, at the exclusion of all others, no other people, no other nation, no other religion will have that reward except for you and it is for you alone. Then why don't you long for death? Why don't you long for death, meaning long for that meeting of Allah Azza wa Jal, if you are indeed truthful? Because if you know that despite whatever you do, whatever it is that you do in this world, whatever whatever problems you may face or whatever sins you may, whatever it is that you do in this world, despite all of that, you will definitely have Jannah then who wouldn't long to go for Jannah? If you knew for surety, if you knew 100% that you would have the everlasting bliss of Jannah, that it is something which is guaranteed for you, then why wouldn't you long for it? You see, the reason most of us don't look forward to death in that respect anyway, is because we're unsure, we're uncertain, have we done enough good deeds, have we accumulated enough reward, inshallah, in order for us to be able to enter into Jannah. We are still fearful of our sins, that our tawbah hasn't been accepted, that we haven't done enough good deeds, that we our sins are still too many and too great. And so because of that, we have that level of trepidation or that level of fear. But they don't make that claim. They claim that it is for them alone and that it is something which they will have at the exclusion of all others. 
if that is the case, then why don't you seek that death? Why don't you look forward to that death? If, if, if your claim is true. And we know, for example, that the Prophet ﷺ, he said concerning the Prophets of Allah that none of them dies until they're shown their place in Jannah. They're shown the reward of Allah and then they're given a choice. And then they choose. And that is why all of the Prophets of Allah choose what is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they are guaranteed that reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Aisha radiallahu anha said concerning our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith in Sahih Bukhari, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to tell us this hadith, that the Prophets are given this choice. She said then in his final illness, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fell unconscious. And then when he awoke, he said, Allahumma fir rafiqil ala. Oh Allah, I want the highest companionship. Aisha said, I then understood that now at this moment, the Prophet ﷺ is being given that choice and he will never choose us. He will always choose what is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If that is your situation, you have that guarantee, then why don't you also long for death and ask for death? Allah says, but they will never do so in verse number 95. Allah says, but they will never long for death because of what they have stored up with their own hands. Indeed, Allah is fully aware of the evildoers. They will never long for death because they know in reality that they have committed kufr and disbelief. They know the sins that they have committed. They know the things that they have done in order to circumvent the commands of Allah and His laws. And so therefore they are fearful. The Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, also in Sahih al-Bukhari, he said, whomsoever loves to meet Allah, Allah loves to meet them. She said, O Messenger of Allah, which one of us looks forward to death? It's not in human nature that you run towards death. All of us have that fear, as I said, and trepidation because we don't know of our sins and our good deeds. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam replied, O Aisha, that is not the meaning. The meaning is that when death does eventually come, the believer knows and they will receive the assurance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that by virtue of their iman, they will have the reward that they have been, that they have, uh, been promised by Allah azza wa As Allah says elsewhere in the Quran, Indeed, the awliya of Allah, the close ones to Allah, will have neither fear nor will they despair. So at that time, when they're given that glad tiding, they love to meet Allah, and Allah loves to meet them. And as for the disbeliever at that moment of death, they realize the reality of their situation, and that they are going towards the punishment of Allah. So they dislike the meeting with Allah, and Allah dislikes to meet them. And that is what Allah is saying here. Not that as a Muslim that you have to actively seek death or look for, no. But that you look forward to that moment through virtue of your deeds, and when that moment does come, that the believers will receive their assurance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as a result of that, they never dislike to meet Allah azza wa jal. If Allah decrees death for me or you today or tomorrow, we should be happy with that decree. And it is upon us therefore to prepare for that day, to prepare for that moment, to prepare for that time. Allah azza wa jal says, as for the people of Bani Israel, as a result of what they have achieved and attained by their own hands, their sin, their kufr, their disbelief, Allah azza wa jal says they will never wish and they will never long for death, for indeed Allah Azza wa is all aware of the evil that they have done. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, rather, the opposite is true regarding them. Let alone longing for death, the opposite is true that they are the people who are most severe in clinging to the life of this world. 
Allah says, وَلَتَجِدَنَّهُمْ أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَى حَيَاتٍ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا يَوَدُّ أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ يُعَمَّرُ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ أَنْ يُعَمَّرُ وَاللَّهُ بَصِيرٌ بِمَا يَعْمَلُونَ Allah says, indeed, you will surely find them clinging to life more eagerly than any other people, even the polytheists. And that is because Bani Israel believe in Yawm Al-Qiyamah. They believe in resurrection. They believe in the concepts of reward and punishment. Whereas the Mushrikeen, for many of them, they don't believe in resurrection. They don't believe in judgment. They don't believe in paradise or hellfire. So for them, they think that when they die, it's the end, it's all over. That's it, it's over. There's nothing left, there's nothing more. After this, this life, you live as you can, get everything you can, enjoy as much as you can, because then when you die, there is nothing more. But as for Bani Israel, they believe in the concepts of resurrection and judgment, of paradise and how far of punishment and reward. So they are even more eager in clinging on to this life. Because they know, they know deep down the reality of what they will face on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and the punishment that is waiting for them in, in, when they will be judged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa says, أَحَدُهُمْ لَوْ يُعَمَّرُ أَلْفَ سَنَةٍ Any one of them would wish to be given a life of a thousand years. They would live to, they would rather live for a thousand years than go to death even though they claim that with that death will come for them eternal reward and eternal bliss. وَمَا هُوَ بِمُزَحْزِحِهِ مِنَ الْعَذَابِ أَنْ يُعَمَّرُ Allah says even though such a long life would still never save them from that torment. Even if they were to live for a thousand years in this life, that thousand years would pass in the blink of an eye before they realized that time would be up and then eventually that punishment would come to them. They would always receive that punishment and torment, no matter how long they live for in this life. And that subhanAllah is the reality of this life. As you get older, as you reach middle age, and as you reach old age, and you look back upon and reflect upon the many years that Allah has given to you in this life, you realize one thing, and that is that despite you having lived for 40, 50, 60, 80, 100 years, in reality that time passed by so fast. How often do we hear ourselves or our elders say, it's only like yesterday that it seemed like I was a child. It only seems like yesterday that I was in school. It only seems like yesterday that I was single or that I first got married or that I only had one child. It only seems like yesterday that I could run or that I could do this and this and that. And that is because the reality of life in this dunya is that time passes by so fast. And for us, the concept of 60, 70, 80 years at one point seems like it is so long. When you're a child, 80 years seems like eternity. When you're 20, the, the age of 100, or when you see people around you in the 80s and 90s, seems like it is so far off. But before you realize you've reached half your lifespan, probably. And before you realize you've reached two-thirds or three-quarters, or maybe the majority of your life has passed by you. And then you reflect and you think, what have I done? What did I achieve? What have I attained? What have I put forth in preparation for the life of the next world? And that is the reality of the dunya, even if you were to live for a thousand years. So they wish to live for a thousand years. Allah says that even if you were to do so, then your end result would still be awaiting for you. So there is no escape from death. There is no escape from the judgment of Allah And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَيْنَ مَا تَكُونُ يُدْرِكُمُ الْمَوْتِ Wherever you are, you will never escape death. Even if you were to be in a high fortress or castle, even if you were to be in a place that was impenetrable 
by anyone else in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would still come and He would take away your soul when He wished subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah azza wa jal says, Wallahu basirun bima ya'malun. And Allah azza wa jal sees everything that they do, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the reality of those people. Allah azza wa jal then goes on in verse number 97 to say, قُلْ مَنْ كَانَ عَدُوًا لِجِبْرِيلَ فَإِنَّهُ نَزَّلَهُ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ مُصَدِّقًا مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ وَهُدًا وَبُشْرًا لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ Say to them, if anyone is an enemy of Jibreel, who by Allah's command brought down the Qur'an to your heart confirming previous scriptures as a guide and good news for the faithful. This is an assertion and a claim that was made by the Jews, and that is, that the angel Jibreel is their enemy. Jibreel as we know is the archangel. And he is the leader of all of the angels. And Allah speaks about Jibreel in multiple places in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is mentioned in numerous ahadith of the Prophet The angel Jibreel is the one that Allah entrusted with revelation. So he is the one who brings down revelation to all of the prophets and messengers of Allah, including the Prophet ﷺ. And he was the one who came to the Prophet ﷺ in the cave of Hira and gave him that first revelation of the Qur'an, and then he would continue to do so. As the Prophet ﷺ said, that Jibreel ﷺ comes to me in every month of Ramadan and he revises the Qur'an with me. And in the year that he passed away, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Jibreel alayhi salam came and he revised the Quran twice with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Jibreel alayhi salam is mentioned in a number of contexts in the Quran and in the Sunnah. The Jews used to claim that he is their enemy. And rather it is the other angel, Mikael or Michael, that is the one that is their friend and he is the one that is their protector or whatever it may be. But as for Gabriel, Jibreel, he is their enemy. And that is when the hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari, the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu an, when Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu an first came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam after the hijrah, and Abdullah ibn Salam was from the leaders of the Jews in terms of their scholarship, in terms of their knowledge, he was from amongst the most knowledgeable of the Jewish tribes of Medina. And he came when he heard the coming of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam to Medina, he wanted to test him, and he wanted to see the truthfulness of this claim. Because he's a man well versed in his scriptures, he knows the signs, he knows what Allah gave of the glad tidings of this messenger that would come. He now wants to put the Prophet to this test. And so when he came, the Prophet from the things that he said to him is that Jibreel came to me. And so Abdullah ibn Salam said, That angel is the enemy of the Jews. He's the one that we consider to be the enemy. And that is because this was the prevalent belief of the Jews that Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, this angel of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, was their enemy. And so Allah azza wa says that this is the angel, despite them claiming that he is their enemy, the one who is an enemy to Jibreel is the one who is an enemy to all of the angels of Allah. And he's an enemy to the revelation of Allah and to the prophets and messengers of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam, all of them. Because Jibreel is the one who came to Ibrahim and he's the one who came to Nuh and to Musa and to Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, and all of the prophets and messengers of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam. And so he is the one Allah is saying, Jibreel, that brought down the Quran upon your heart, revealed it to you. And he is the one who brought the revelation that attests to and confirms all of the previous revelations that came before. And so this claim 
that they only believe in some of the angels or only like some of the angels and they dislike others of the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is from the kufr and disbelief that they have. And that is why it is from the tenets of faith that we have, from the arkan of iman, the pillars of iman in our religion, that we believe in all of the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we believe that Allah azza wa jal has placed for each of those angels their respective duties and their respective tasks and jobs. And that we believe in all of them. And that they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that is pleasing to him and the way that he commands Allah and the way that Allah azza wa jal commands them to do so. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 98, If anyone is an enemy to Allah, his angels and his messengers, an enemy to Jibreel and Mikael, then indeed Allah is the enemy of such disbelievers. Meaning anyone who tries to, to separate some of these from others. Anyone who says, I believe in some of those prophets, but not in others. Anyone who believes that I be, uh, who says that I believe in some of those angels, but not in others. And that is why Allah Azza wa mentions the angels in general, and then he specifies the two that they had a dispute over, and that is Jibreel and Mikal or Mikail, alayhim as-salatu wassalam. Allah Azza wa is saying that the one who separates and says, I believe in some or disbelieve in others, prophets, angels, revelation, whatever it may be, then that is a person who disbelieves in all of them. And that is why it's part of our Iman, as we said, the pillars of Iman in belief in the angels, belief in the divine revelation, belief in the prophets and messengers, that we must believe in all of them. All of them, without exception. You don't get to cherry pick and choose the ones that you like. You don't get to say this one's convenient for me and that was inconvenient. You don't get to cast them and frame them in the light that you want, that these are good and those are enemies, that these are our helpers and saviors and those are the ones that are enemies to us. No. Allah gave to each one of them their tasks. Jibreel is entrusted with revelation. And Mikael is the one that is entrusted with the risk of people, with the rain and, and with, 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 with the vegetation and so on, with the, with the provision of people. So one brings life of spirit, of, of the soul in revelation, and then the one gives life and spiritual and, and the nourishment that is physical of the bodies. And Allah gave to each one of them their tasks. Just as the Prophet ﷺ told us of other angels by their name, such as Israfil, the one that will blow in the trumpet. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ, from the du'as that he would make and from the ways that he would praise Allah is that he would mention Allah as being the Lord of these three angels. Allahumma Rabba Jibreela wa Israfila wa Mikail. Oh Allah, you are the Lord of Jibreel and Mikail and Israfil. This is from the du'as that the Prophet ﷺ would make. So to believe in all of that is a part of our religion. And Allah is saying in this verse in number 98, that those who don't believe in all of them, who distinguish and change or pick and choose some of them over and above others, such people are enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah then continues in verse number 99, وَلَقَدْ أَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ آيَاتٍ بَيِّنَاتٍ وَمَا يَكْفُرُ بِهَا إِلَّا الْفَاسِقُونَ For indeed we have sent down to you clear messages to you, and only those who defy you would refuse to believe in them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet وسلم, we have sent down to you so many signs and so many miracles and so many so many uh, so many signs that attest to your truthfulness. Just as Allah sent those signs to the prophets that came before, they were given their signs and they were given their miracles, whether it be Nuh or whether it be Ibrahim or Musa or Isa or any of the other prophets and messengers of Allah. And those who choose to deny those signs 
those messages, those miracles of those prophets, they are the ones who are fasiqun, they are evil, they are people of corruption, they are people who deny the worship of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's right to be worshipped alone. Allah Azza wa Jalla continues on verse number 100 and he says, أَوَكُلَّمَا عَاهَدُوا عَهْدًا نَبَذَهُ فَرِيقٌ مِّنْهُمْ بَلْ أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ How is it then that whenever they make a covenant or a pledge, some of it throw it away? In fact, most of them do not believe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if they truly believed in Allah Azza wa Jal, truly accepted the message of Allah, believed in their prophets, believed in the divine revelation, they would accept the covenant that they made with Allah, the pledge that they made with Allah. The greatest of that pledge is to worship Allah Azza wa Jal alone and to uphold his tawheed. But then there are other pledges in terms of the pillars of their religion, the major aspects of worship, the halal and the haram, that they also accepted that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obligated and legislated upon them. Why is it then that there is always a group amongst you that break that pledge and break that covenant, that don't uphold the tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal? As we see today in all of those religions that claim to be monotheistic religions, they have aspects of shirk, aspects of disbelief, aspects of rejecting certain prophets or certain divine revelations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal says, Bal أَكْثَرُهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ But rather in reality, the majority of them do not believe. This is important for us as Muslims to understand that when we accept Islam, it is not just that you accept one thing and not another. It's not something that you can choose to take certain parts and not accept other parts. But rather you accept Islam as a whole in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is why Allah azawajal says elsewhere in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O people of Iman, udkhulu fi silmi kafa. Accept Islam, enter into Islam wholeheartedly and completely. You can't just choose and cherry pick what you want to choose. And so what we see unfortunately amongst Muslims today, when some of them will choose not to pray, some of them will choose not to wear the hijab, some of them will choose to, to engage in certain practices that are haram by ijma' and consensus of the Muslims and not spoke, speaking about the small issues that there may be differences of opinion on, the minutiae of fiqh that the scholars may have differed over. I'm speaking about the usul, the major principles of our religion that all of the Muslims agree upon, that all of, our, all of the scholars of Islam agree upon and there is unanimity upon they will still go and they will choose to reject certain aspects of that sharia. That is what Allah is referring to. That is a type of disbelief. It is a type of, of rejection. And even though he may not cast a person outside of the fold of Islam, that person is on very dangerous ground because of what they are choosing to do and how they are choosing to behave. In the final verse on page number 15, verse number 101, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes this page by saying, وَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ مُصَدِّقٌ لِمَا مَعَهُمْ نَبَذَ فَرِيقٌ مِّنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَرَاءَ ظُهُورِهِمْ كَأَنَّهُمْ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ when Allah sent them a messenger confirming the scriptures that they already had, meaning the Prophet ﷺ was sent, confirming the message that they were already given through the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Qur'an. As we've mentioned now, and Allah has mentioned in a number of times now in Surah Al-Baqarah, that the Prophet ﷺ and the Qur'an didn't bring anything radical, didn't bring anything that was foreign and alien to the way of the prophets and messengers who came before them. Yes, the Prophet ﷺ has his own sharia, so certain things were allowed for him that weren't allowed previously, certain laws were changed for his ummah, but in general, the general 
body of the Sharia, the general body of what Allah has obligated and legislated, it continues in the tradition of those prophets and messengers who came before. So what did they do? نَبَذَ فَرِيقٌ مِّنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ A group from amongst the people of the book, the people of the scripture, they threw it away. كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَرَاءَ ظُهُورِهِمْ They took this book of Allah and they threw it over their shoulders or behind their backs. And this means that they rejected, they ignored it. But Allah uses these words to show the, uh, the gravity of what, what it's doing. For someone to see the Qur'an and to reject it is one thing. But to physically pick it up and to throw it away is a graver way of rejection and is a more severe form of rejection. And that is why Allah frames it in that way. Because in reality, even if they don't physically do this, this is the reality of their actions and their deeds. And that is that it is as if they've taken the book of Allah and they've thrown it away behind them. As if they have no knowledge in reality that this is the book of Allah, the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore the believers, the Muslims should never be like this. That they come across the guidance of Allah, the book of Allah, and they throw it away and ignore it and disregard it. But rather we should be as the companions were, that when they came across a book, a verse of the book of Allah or a sunnah of the Prophet at the very least they would humble themselves before it. Yes, we have weak iman, sometimes we disobey, sometimes our iman isn't strong enough that we could do it, but we should still acknowledge that we are doing haram and we should try our best to turn to Allah and make tawbah. We should never show the arrogance that Allah is referring to in these verses. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us firm and steadfast upon his religion. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.